It is from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 through 22. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. I'm going to open us up in a word of prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have built your church upon the proclaimed gospel of Jesus Christ, originating first in the person and work of Jesus, and then proclaimed by the apostles, written down in your word, and now shared throughout the world as you continue to grow your church and build it into this beautiful temple. God, guide me as I speak. Holy Spirit, work in our hearts and minds. May you be proclaimed. May you guide us as a church on mission, thoughtfully engaged and empowered to impact our downtown for your glory. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've been accused of doing some pretty crazy, some would even say some pretty stupid things. Um, Taking some pretty crazy risks. I've lost my lunch probably a few times over some things I've done that are very fearful. For example, you know, and some of you know these stories because I've been your pastor for a little bit, um, going off trail at the Grand Canyon and hearing screams like that. Um, Don't go off the trail! And I did anyway um, and slid off a cliff. Um, I, you know, I threw a huge rock at a beehive that was huge, that was a few feet away from my face. Um, you know, I was a busker in downtown Chicago, so that's the way of saying I was a street performer vying for the critical street positioning where you can get the most tips to get a cheeseburger that afternoon. You know, I've done some pretty crazy things, um, some things that are very nerve-wracking that make me stiff with fear, but there's probably one thing that trumps them all, quite frankly. As I look back, there's one thing, one thing that makes falling off a cliff (laughs) feel like a walk in the park, okay? Um, A little over two and a half years ago, I, I, I I had been a pastor for a grand total of about six months here at Christ Community. And that morning, I was standing before a group of about 20 entrepreneurial people. Um, Most of those, not most of them, some of them being children, um, in an apartment social room in downtown Kansas City. And I was preaching for the first time, not as a guest speaker, but as the campus leader and campus pastor. But before I go into that, let me back up a little bit. About 25 years ago, Tom and Liz Nelson... And a small group of people believed that Johnson County needed another church, interestingly enough. Um, And so they first met in their apartment in Lenexa. And then as that continued to grow, then they met in a school in Overland Park. And then finally found themselves landing in Leewood, Kansas. After this campus continued to grow and flourish, then they planted a couple churches. And after they'd done that, the question arose as to begin and to wonder, okay, maybe God... Maybe God is guiding us to be a multi-site church. Maybe he's guiding us in that direction while you're sitting in their answer. (laughs) So, I mean, if you're wondering, this is one of the campuses. Um, And after prayer and a lot of research, um, the elders felt like God was calling us to become a multi-site church. 
And it was after our Olathe campus, our first campus plant outside of our Leewood original campus, after Olathe campus was planted and become established, and Bill Gorman was starting this downtown core group, that's when I showed up, um, if you were wondering, um, as a pastoral fellow. And my plan was, hey, I'm going to be here for two years, that's our pastoral fellowship program, as an associate pastor, learning as much as I can from these men and women, and then I'm going to go plant a church in a downtown somewhere else, um, and go pretty much take on hell with a water pistol, kind of, sort of, not really, but definitely, if you know me, that's probably what I thought. But then something happened. Something happened. I was asked to begin to take over and to lead the downtown campus startup. I remember, and here, here's my first week, okay? First week. First week. The first week as the downtown campus uh, leader, we had been in this, you know, these negotiations for like six months on a downtown space. Six months. They were pretty messy. It didn't look like it was going so great. And then it thought it was going great. Well, my first week, I find out that the negotiations fail and the whole thing falls through. Okay, so the space falls through. Then um, I, get to know, I find out that our, our volunteer worship leader, her husband, receives a job in Seattle, Washington. And so now they move out to Seattle. So no space, no volunteer worship leader. But then we have this tenacious 20, right? And they are, they are hell-bent <laughs> in a totally different way. Um, <laughs> Heaven-bent on following God's call to plant a campus in downtown Kansas City. And I remember at the beginning kind of even feeling like a cult. <laughs> I can say that now because we're, we're not there. Because uh, we met in this apartment social room. And to get in, to come and join us on Sunday morning, if you were a guest or even were just a skeptic, you had to be buzzed in. Like, bzz, you know, hey, I, I, I'm here to see Christ's community. What's, you know, what's the secret password? I mean, pretty much it felt kind of cultish. You know, and then, and here's the other thing, you know, you had residents who were walking by going like, what are these people doing eating stale bread? And, you know, they've got kumbaya guitar and a guy who talks way too long. And so you get these weird looks from residents. And then there would be some Sundays, you know, because downtown we tend to be a little more transitory. People are in different stages of life where we didn't have an apartment social room to meet. So then we were asking the question, where are we going to meet some Sundays? And I'd send an email on Wednesday oh, you know, we're going to meet over here. We're going to meet in a park. We're going to meet and with, we're going to join with this church and tell them about the downtown campus um, on a Sunday. Uh, and then God opened the door for Screenland. And some of you may remember this. Um, Screenland Movie Theater, uh, the way I've talked about it, if you've heard me talk about it at all, is you have, you know, AMC, which is the big Hollywood productions. Then you have Tivoli, which is just a really cool indie, you know, foreign language films. And you're like, oh, that, that broadened my worldview. Um, <laughs> then you had Screenland, uh, <laughs> um, that was like, it was really great in the community, and they did a lot of great things, but some of the, they were like the real cult classics. So we went to the cult field, to the cult classic movie theater, and as we're in there, um, many times they had a bunch of offices, and sometimes you'd have somebody walk through who is officing with their barking dog in the middle of our worship gathering. So you imagine we're here and I'm talking, you know, like walking by, and they're just like, whatever, I don't care about you. And they'd just keep walking by. And then, and then also, every, almost every Sunday morning you come in and you're greeted with, by the sweet aroma of stale beer. Ah, the Holy Spirit at work, right? Um, it, was, it was, you know, and quite frankly, that first year wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. But I can look back with a smile because there's so many sweet memories of what God was doing. And so many great times to look back and laugh um, at how God was working in ways we never thought. Um, if you talk with Nathan... Uh, who, who started our Olathe campus eight years ago. Um, he has a similar memory, or Bill, on getting this original downtown core group going and then transitioning to get the core group and launching the Brookside campus two years ago. They all felt pretty similar. Um, and while this is, I'm sure, a really neat history lesson, I'm sure even more so that many of you are like, okay, Gabe, get to the point. You know, what's the big deal? Did Kansas City really need another church, right? If you look up at the screen, you're going to find a map of the Kansas City metro area. And I don't know if you can see them, but there's a bunch of little red dots. Each one of those represent a church in Kansas City metro area. If you zoom in a little bit further, we're looking at downtown, and you ask the question, okay, Gabe, why bother? Why another church in our downtown? What's the point? Well, I want to tell you something that's very critical to my heart's cry. Some of you are going to think I'm nuts. Um, some of you are going to think this may even be a joke. But if there's one thing I want you to remember today, it's this. There will never be 
too many churches. There will never be too many churches. And yes, you heard me right. If you're like, wait a second. I know, I know the church is messy. Sometimes the church is ineffective. Even at times the church is destructive. Some of you this morning might be thinking, there are too many churches. Not that there aren't enough, but there are too many churches. Well, when you look in Ephesians, you actually, and you look throughout the book of Acts, you see the Apostle Paul. And he writes this little letter to the church in Ephesus. And he has a passion to plant churches. And this is our passion. There will never be too many churches. And over the next three Sundays at all of our campuses, um, we're going to be talking about what we believe God has called us to be and where we believe God is taking us. Um, God's always ahead of his people. He's always moving ahead. Actually, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it talks about Paul, the Apostle Paul talks about God laying out the good works before us for us to walk in. He's always going ahead of us, preparing the way for his people to follow him. And actually, from the very beginning, our mission as a church has been this. Some of you know this well. You may have it tattooed on the back of your arm. I'd love that if you did. That'd be actually pretty awesome. Um, but no, here it is. The mission of our church is to be a caring family of multiplying disciples, influencing our community and world for Jesus Christ. And although we're a younger campus, quite frankly, we step into a rich history of a wider church with four campuses. Um, And when we met our third decade, we called it Destination 30, a decade of deployment. This is an opportunity to go, to give ourselves away to our neighborhoods, our city, in our world, because that's what we believe God has designed us for, for the glory of Him and the proclamation of the gospel. And as we continue to grow more complex across the metro, we've also felt the need to become more focused in our mission. And if you're wondering, that is my daughter crying, because she's so excited about what we are about to do <laughs> as a church. She's like, I can't wait! That's, that's if you want to translate that going through your mind. I mean... Quite frankly, here at Christ Community, there are three things that, have, that drive us, that we think set us apart, that, that we just get so passionate, we want to, you know, slam on whatever's around us and go, this is it. This is what God's called us to. Our heartbeat starts racing when we think about these three things. And actually, on these new note sheets, you can actually find it. We tried to plaster it everywhere we could. Um, multiplying churches, multiplying disciples, and multiplying leaders. Multiplying churches, multiplying disciples, and multiplying leaders. If you're new, I hope that excites you. If you've been around forever, (laughs) then this should be obvious to you here at Christ Community. Actually, there's something fun that we've been doing recently. We've been gathering folks from all of our campuses um, to help us think strategically and and thoughtfully on how to engage the church globally, um, to do that in a healthy way. Um, And, you know, guess what? When we brought them together, when we asked them, okay, what do you think are some core values about doing this together and impacting the church globally and allowing the church globally to impact us, quite frankly, um, what do you think were their top three values? That churches would be planted, that disciples would be multiplied, and that leaders would be developed. We didn't tell them to say that, okay? This is just, it's who we are. We can't make this stuff up. And we want to see this multiplied everywhere, across Kansas City, across the world. And that's really where we're going to anchor ourselves these next three messages, okay? And and actually, I want you to see there's a logic to this whole thing. First, you start with multiplying churches. And when we multiply churches, we believe the church is the best place to multiply disciples because it's the way we live out those one another's. It's the way we engage one another as we follow Christ. Christ doesn't call us to an individual solo journey, but he calls us into a church body to sharpen one another, to proclaim the gospel to one another. And so when we grow in our faith in Jesus, we grow together. And as we multiply churches that multiply disciples, as those disciples grow, then we multiply leaders who are leaders in their homes, their vocation, in their city, in their neighborhoods. And when those leaders multiply, then we multiply churches. We send them out to multiply churches that then multiply disciples, that multiply leaders, that multiply churches, and you get it. Um, Pretty obviously, I think. No, I'll stop. And we actually think, believe it or not, that this is for the glory of God and for the good of our metro. We think this is critical to our calling as Christians. And so this morning, we're going to take a focus on multiplying churches, this first piece here. And we're going to be looking at Ephesians as we're trying to answer three questions, okay? First... Why do we need more churches? I mean, seriously, why do we need more churches? What are we going to do about it? 
And then as we look at each one of us, what are you going to do about it? So why do we need more churches? What are we going to do about it? And what are you going to do about it? Okay? So please turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2 if you haven't. If you're using one of the community Bibles, it's on page 634 to follow along. You know, Paul, he knows this church in Ephesus well because he actually planted it about five to ten years before he's writing this letter. An interesting fact about Paul, I mean, he, he totally thought there will never be too many churches because in the 20 years of his travel, he planted up to 20 churches. Okay, that's, that's a lot of churches to plant in 20 years. It's like the 20 for 20 kind of deal. That's a fun little statement. I mean, he could have sold a flashcard with something on there, um, you know, in our culture. But it, it, here in our passage, we see that Paul thinks that there will never be too many churches. And he shows us why. Three reasons. Three reasons, okay? So first, we multiply churches because there will always be a need for outsiders to become insiders. Those who are outside the faith of Jesus Christ to now come to know Christ and to be known by others who know Christ. I mean, the Ephesian church, we talk about a lot of the dissension that's going on in our nation and our world. The Ephesian church was made up of both Jews and Gentiles. I mean, their cultures are worlds apart. They have a history of angst where they were attacking one another, persecuted one another, and always were fighting. And now they're called together and they find their identity in Jesus Christ. Above all else, the person and work of Jesus Christ is what brings them together. Look at what Paul says to those who used to be outside in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near. By the blood of Christ. You who were once far off have actually been brought near by the blood of Christ. It's a bringing together. When God saves us, he saves us through the one Jesus Christ to the unified community that is centered on him. I mean, and that community is a place where outsiders are invited in. It's not an exclusive closed community where everybody, <laughs> as much as I want to say, we don't, you, don't have to, you shouldn't have to buzz to get in, you know? It's, yeah, sorry. Anyway. But that's true of each and every one of us. That's true of each and every one of us. The church is the only place, legitimately, where people from every background and culture are invited to now worship together as a part of the unified community. That's true of you. That's true of me. A people and a place where we can share our faith and skeptics can feel free to ask questions, to witness community. What are these one another's? Is, is this community real? Is it practical? Can we actually live out this gospel? And then also ask the question, is Jesus who he said he is, really? And not feel antagonistically pushed out. I mean, this was the story of some of you in here this morning, right? You walked through the doors as outsiders. You weren't sure of what you believed. But someone invited you. Or maybe there was a point in your life where you said, now's the time to go back. Now's the time to re-engage. And now you've met Jesus, and you're holding fast to the gospel. What's so beautiful, two Saturdays ago, we had 42 baptisms at Christ Community. 42, that's a record. That's beautiful. That's a picture of God doing transformative work in the lives of people. This isn't just an idea that's really nice. Lives are transformed. Listen, you know, as long as there are outsiders, there will never be too many churches, ever. But Gabe, you know, I can hear this question. Can't all the existing churches that are out there can't they do this? Well, of course. You know, if they are centered and embrace the gospel faithfully. But any study will show that church planting is the most effective way for new people, for new people to engage their faith and for the revitalization of older existing churches. You know, Pastor Tim Keller of Redeemer in New York City and also the founder of Redeemer City to City, which is a global church planting organization, he says this, the vigorous, continual planting of new congregations is the single most crucial strategy for the number or the, the numerical growth of the body of Christ in any city and the continual corporate renewal and revival of the existing churches in a city. You see, for every church, there's one huge danger. Every single church. The older a church gets, the more it grows inward. The more it grows inward. 
It's not inevitable, but the inertia is really, really strong. I mean, there's tons of research to back it up. Members get comfortable. They begin to exist for themselves. And older churches begin to see fewer and fewer stories of life change because of God, the gospel and what God is doing. And here's a really scary reality, okay? Check this number. 4,000 churches shut their doors every year. 4,000. But instead, newer churches tend to be more vibrant, more outward, and as a result, see more of what God ought to be doing, you know, in bringing outsiders in. So as long as there are outsiders of the faith of Jesus, there will never be too many churches because they're one of the most catalytic ways to engage new people. Next, what we also see is that we need more churches because there will always be a need for the lonely to become family. For the lonely to become family. It's a part of our mission, but we also see it right here in Ephesians. That's where our mission comes from, is from Scripture. To be a caring family, that's what we're called to. And look how Paul says it in verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. The household of God. I love that metaphor. It's actually one of my favorite metaphors when describing the church. God as our father, Jesus as our eldest brother, as it's actually talked about in Hebrews, and the Holy Spirit as confirming and unifying our adoption into this divine family. And meanwhile, we just prayed about it. Our world has become more and more fragmented, more and more violent. Of course, there's the conflicts in the Middle East, the brokenness there. But there's also the conflicts in middle America, right in our backyard, in Missouri, in Ferguson, in our state, where these systemic injustices continue to rise, where racial differences continue to divide people. And that should not be true of the church. The church should be a place where we come and it feels like we're coming home. It's a diverse home, a beautifully diverse home, but home nonetheless. And I've heard from many of you how you really do consider the people you're sitting around, the people that you engage with in this campus, as your family. You'll go the extra mile for them. When you're hurting, you reach for them as a shoulder to cry on. When you have questions, you grab them to go and have coffee and to wrestle through your doubts and your worries. But the bigger we get, the harder this becomes, right? Across all of our campuses, but also downtown. (laughs) Even here, I mean, if you think about these past couple months, this morning we have quite a few folks on vacation. (laughs) But the past couple months, you've been, you know, we've had to squeeze people together because we haven't had enough seats over and over and over again. And our city is only going to continue to grow. And I'm not sure how many of you saw this, but downtown Kansas City was actually in the New York Times um, mentioned this past week. Currently, we have roughly 20,000 residents within our downtown corridor. And Sean O'Byrne from the downtown council says this, we've got the infrastructure now to support 40,000 residents here in our downtown. And there's pent-up demand for housing. I think the next 10 years are going to be spectacular for downtown because the groundwork has been laid to make development happen. So 40,000 would be 100% growth in downtown residents. Um, and I've seen constantly the, 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 new and the more con- uh, construction projects for apartment and loft uh, units, the new streetcar, new offices, the older buildings converted into loft buildings and new offices. And with them come people, right? Broken people, lonely people, lost people, people who need the gospel in Jesus Christ and who need a family to call their own in Christ. Are we ready for them? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. Are we ready? As we've seen over the past couple months, we've been packed. And so this is why on the first weekend of October, we're going to be taking a huge step as a campus, okay? Um, are you ready? Uh, <laughs> on Sunday, October 5th, which is the first weekend, we do that type of stuff in the crossroads. We're going to begin having actually two services um, here at our downtown campus. The first one's going to be at 9 a.m., And the second is going to be at 10.45. And from 10.15 to 10.45, there's going to be a unique time where both folks who go to whatever service have an opportunity to mingle and connect with one another. On a side fun note, I don't know if you've seen the construction next door. Um, I don't know how you can miss it (laughs) with the huge metal gate. That's called the sundry, and it's a really 
fun urban grocery store, but they're also going to have different tables and stuff, like a patio. So we don't have a patio, but they do, and we've already met the owners, and they said you can use it. So, which is really fun. They're hoping to open in November. So after the first service, you can be hanging out, you know, with folks over there, getting a chance to talk with one another, or during the, or after the second service. There's some really great opportunities to interact with one another, and I'm so excited about how God continues to grow his church. He's building his church. It's right here in the passage. He's growing. He's building his church. And just to be clear, okay, the reason we're going to two service is, isn't mainly because we have been packed the past couple months, although that's, that's been true of us. And it's not mainly to manage growth, although we have been growing. It's actually to multiply our influence in our community downtown. It's also to multiply our influence in our community downtown. What do I mean? It helps us feel smaller in the best sense of the word. A household of faith where we're making space for new people to engage and and also providing that opportunity where we get to engage in one another. We get to recognize faces. So when we do have really packed Sundays, you still have that smaller feel, that intimate feel where we're engaging with one another and praying for one another and loving one another. And I personally can't wait to see what God's going to be doing through this two service and a multiplication of our worship gatherings as we grow deeper as a community and wider in our impact downtown. And this is where we're going to need every one of you, okay? Um, At this point, you know, some of you who are new have been plugging in and you've been asking, how can I serve? And that's a great question. And quite frankly, we've had a lot of positions filled, but going to two services opens a huge gate. And we need every single person. There's no longer sitting... On the sidelines, we, we, whether it's children's ministries, the audiovisual, whether it's a greeter at the door, working with refreshments, you know, serving communion, there are so many different aspects in which we need you. If you're looking for a place to serve and plug in, you found it. And man, is there a big need, okay? And that makes me so excited, right? Because that's what we're supposed to be in engaging the church. We're not supposed to just come on Sunday and leave and be served, but to be engaged and to serve, to contribute to the body of Christ. And I hope that gets you excited um, because it gets me really excited. It's been beautiful to see how God continues to not not only here downtown but across our campuses to grow us, to build us up and for his glory and the proclamation of his gospel. While staying smaller, we get to grow bigger, which which is really beautiful. So as long as there are lonely people in our downtown, as long as there are broken people, people who need the gospel, there will always need to be more churches. But Paul doesn't end here, so we can't end here, right? Multiplying churches are important because there will always be a need to make the invisible God visible. To make the invisible God visible. Look in verse 21 here of Ephesians 2. In whom, he's speaking of Christ here, he's picking up from the earlier verses. In whom the whole structure being joined together grows. Okay, so if the church is being the church, it grows grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together. You're being built up into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You see, every, everyone in the first century knew that when you talked about the temple, you talked about God dwelling with his people. The temple was where God lived, in a sense. Obviously, he dwells in heaven, but that was like his throne here on earth was the temple. And then when the apostle Paul says, you're being built together, who? the church, this called out community, then that means God dwells within the community. Yes, the Holy Spirit indwells each and every individual believer, but there's something unique, something beautiful, something precious about when God's people gather together and the Spirit of God works through his people for his glory. And the more churches there are, the more places, the more communities, the more opportunities for the invisible God to be made visible, to show himself through us to present his spirit's work to a dark and dying world. And that's what our city needs, quite frankly, more glimpses. That's why at our Leewood and our Olathe campus, um, we open those spaces for like HOAs, Girl Scouts, you know, basketball practice, lacrosse, what have you, community events. It becomes a community center, a way we serve our neighbors in that particular way. In Brookside, there are so many older churches who are dying and who are inward focused, they need a glimpse of the gospel of a faith community gathering together to proclaim Jesus as the center. That's why we here downtown, right? We open our doors for First Fridays. 
We open our doors so that people might capture a glimpse of a church that cares about their community. It's why we partnered with other churches in our downtown, linked arms to clean the streets, and why our Crossroads Community Association tells us, you know what, our Crossroads community would be worse off without you. They tell us that, giving them a glimpse of what the gospel does to a people centered on Jesus. It's why we're engaged with Kansas City Rescue Mission, working with those who are battling homelessness and allowing and empowering them to engage community once again as self-sustaining individuals who contribute to others. It's why we engage with Crossroads Academy. Education is an important component of our city. So how are we working with teachers, working with the institution to be a support structure for them, giving more and more glimpses? It's why we gather on a Sunday morning so that those who don't know Christ can come and see what a community looks like when we gather together centered on Jesus to proclaim his glory to a world that says he doesn't exist. And as long as we struggle to see our great God amidst a broken world, there will always need to be more churches. So what are we going to do about it? Well, I thought you'd never ask, quite frankly. Otherwise, I'd have just kept talking. Um, well, it's, it's time to multiply. It's time to multiply. And today I'm excited to announce to you, and really at all of our campuses we're announcing this, that Christ Community is going to be launching a fifth campus, okay? Um, it's a pretty big deal. <laughs> it's pretty exciting. And to learn more about who and where, we're going to watch a short video. It's about six minutes, so depending on your viewpoint on short, it's about six minutes. We're going to watch that together, okay? Let's watch. Hello, Christ Community. My name is Nathan, and I have the joy of serving as the campus pastor at Christ Community's first additional campus. We started out here in Olathe in the fall of 2006 when a faithful but struggling church offered us their property. And we'd already been planning and praying in that direction. So, so when this happened, God made it obvious. He wanted us here. And I'll never forget my first Sunday in Olathe. There's only about a dozen of us there. We were joined a month later by about 100 people from our Leewood campus who stepped out courageously in faith. Ordinary people, right? But people who believed that the multiplication of healthy churches is core to the mission of God's people. It's who we are. Multiplying churches, multiplying disciples, multiplying leaders. Just look at what God has done. Now it's our turn. For after much prayer, conversation, research, we believe that the time is now for us in Olathe to multiply, to plant. Not, not just multiplying services, but multiplying congregations. We don't, we don't want to grow inward. We don't want to exist merely for our own benefit. We want to see the expansion of God's kingdom for the glory of our great Savior and for the good of his people. And so it's our turn. For we are in the initial stages of praying and planning for Christ Community's fifth campus. We believe that God is calling us north. We also believe that we have the right leader already on our team, ready to go. Uh, Tim Spanberg, he's our, our pastoral fellow here in Olathe. He's been serving with us this past year, and he and his wife, Misty, and their two boys, they are phenomenal. If you haven't met Tim, you need to. Missy and I first came to Christ Community, it felt different. A church that eagerly sends out amazing leaders to start new churches is different. A church that loves its city and seeks its good is different. People who are willing to leave the church they love and go and start a new one are different. Missy and I have always longed to give our lives to a church that gives itself away for the good of others. And we found our church. But I know what you may be thinking. Why do this? Olathe is growing. Things are going well. Why now? 
Well, if you've been around Christ community long enough, you know God is always ahead of us, calling us forward. And we are confident God is ahead of us again. Now, we currently have over 150 people coming from Shawnee, Lenexa, KCK, Merriam, and North Overland Park attending Christ Community. And while those people primarily attend the Olathe campus, we have people coming from that region in all four of our campuses. And there are amazing people on that list, the kind of people whom God will use to write a new story at a new campus. Now, God's already building this new campus, and it's time for us to join Him. And while God will direct specifically where we're to go, we're looking at an area between Shawnee Mission Parkway and Johnson Drive, and between I-435 and I-35. But there's a bigger reason why it's time to plant a new campus. You. You are the reason. But I've asked one question more than any other in my past year. How'd you find Christ Community? And I wish I could capture the reactions in those moments, the joy the tears, good tears. That you came looking for a church and God gave you a home. Because I've heard the stories, how this church helped save your marriage, came alongside you in a time of death, prayed for you when you were sick, that your kids love this church and can't wait to come. That in this place, the gospel came alive to you and now God is writing a new story on your life. That all around Christ community, God is writing new stories. Because the local church is the place where God writes new stories. Because the local church is the one place with good news for everyone, no matter where they've been or what they've done. That's why we must always be about multiplying churches. That's why it's time for us to start a new church. And it's why God will call some of you to come to this new campus. Because there are people who need new stories, who need a home who need what you and I have found at Christ Community. Because God has more stories to write. We have a new church to plant. Now there is still so much for us to explore. But we are praying and hoping that by the end of 2015 or early 16, we will have a whole new community of people multiplying churches, multiplying disciples, and multiplying leaders. So what about now? What do, what do we do now? Well, pray. Please join us in praying. Pray for that community. Pray for, for those who will, who will go. Pray for those who will come. And, and pray for those who will stay at all four of our campuses to, to fill in the gaps of those we have sent out and, and continue to, to give generously and sacrificially to the amazing work, the beautiful work that, that God is doing in our city. For some of you, think about going. If you live in that area, might God be calling you, even, even in this moment, to do something big, something brave, something that you're going to be able to witness God at work? I just wonder what he's going to do next. Big day, huh? <laughs> this is exciting. Uh, and you know, quite frankly, God is he's doing something surprising here. You know, we've seen him working across our campuses. And when we stumbled upon this whole multi-site thing, this we had no idea. The, the Jesus-empowered, the gospel-proclaiming, the kingdom impact we would have. And he just keeps nudging us forward. Anybody else scared? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things going on. I know I'm scared. God knows Tim is scared, um, but if we're Christians and we're not doing scary things, we have to ask ourselves, are we really following Jesus? Are we really following Jesus? Because following Jesus isn't a, a long walk on the beach, okay? It's picking up our cross and following him. It's scary at times. It's difficult. It wears us out even at times, while also full of rest. And in many ways, over the past several months, it's kind of like we've been step after step going closer to the Jordan River. Are you guys familiar with this story? Uh, with Israel as they step into the Jordan River, and then it's not until they're in the water that the waters begin to part when they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And 
You know, as we've been stepping, we've been stepping towards the Jordan, it's been going up to our ankles. It was up to our knees. It wasn't quite up to our necks <laughs> until God did something that surprised us. It probably shouldn't have surprised us, but quite frankly, it did. And it's what he's always done. Over these past 25 years of history, we've seen it time and time again that when we step out in faith, God parts waters. Um, so this is what happened, okay? Some of you are sitting on the edge of your seat. Others of you are like, what's next? Um, our generous God has prompted one of our Christ community families to give a very generous gift. Um, and it's with joy and obedience and love for the bride of Christ, the church. These apprentices of Jesus, they have given, wait for it, <laughs> I feel like this is such a game show moment, you know, like, and after these, you know, after these messages, um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> they've given $3 million as a catapult forward in this multiplication effort. Um, yes, you heard it right. Three million. Three million dollars. I was actually on vacation, and Tom and Kevin, our two senior pastors, my bosses over the four campuses, they gave me a call, and I had a missed call, and I got really nervous um, <laughs> because they know we never talk to each other on, on vacation. That's family time, and I had a missed call from both of them, and I thought, oh no, something's terribly wrong, um, and so I, I call them back and they tell me, and I just start crying, and I grab a chair, and I sit down, because I, I couldn't believe it. God's done it again. It's, it's, he's done it again. I mean, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty amazing what God is doing. And he calls us to take these bold steps, and then follows through with just this unheard of enablement and empowerment gener- in this generosity. And we want to be faithful stewards of these resources. And so our elder leadership team have done a really great work in helping allocate what this gift looks like, having three Ds in mind. We love alliteration. We're pastors, okay? So it's debt, discipline, and deployment. First, debt. We had about $1.5 million in debt from our expansions at our Leewood campus and our Olathe campus. Those are completely gone, and we are a completely debt-free church, um, which is something I think we can celebrate, right? Yeah! I mean, come on! I mean, woo! That is, that's beautiful to be a debt-free church. Um, and what would have gone to interest payments can now be, your generous tithes and offerings can go to, to maximize our missional impact instead of going to interest payments. This is beautiful to be able to celebrate. Secondly is discipline. A half a million. We have multiple church homes now that are also community centers that are engaging outposts for our community. Very useful. Um, but we're going to store away a half a million for different issues. Like if the air conditioning goes out at one of our campuses, that's like $100,000. So that's not something that we just go, ah! You know, we do this in our own lives, in our own budgets. So why don't we do that in the church? It's wise. It's a way for us to be thoughtful and caring for the resources that God has given us. Lastly, thirdly, deployment. $1 million um, is being designated for church multiplication and strategy for the development of new campuses. So not just campus number five, but wherever God has us after that and the work that God is doing through Christ's community. It's exciting to think that Campus 5 isn't the end. Um, We hope to continue multiplying churches who multiply disciples, who multiply leaders, and who multiply churches because we think that's one of the best things we can do in caring for our city as people become leaders thoughtfully engaging their culture and their neighborhoods and their workplaces. So I told you you didn't want to miss today. Um, You're going to have to tell folks that are out... um, And aren't you glad you listened, that you were here? This is a pretty big deal. Um, Talk about a glimpse of the invisible God showing up. Um, Now, the last thing I want to say um, is when we hear about a huge gift like this, it's so easy for us, so easy for us to just kick up our feet and say, all right, it's time to get comfortable. It's so easy to become complacent. Um, But quite the opposite should be our response. Now is the time. God is showing us he's working, right? He's engaged in this. This isn't some really neat idea we had, but God is doing something. And now's all the more opportunities for us to invest, to engage, to serve, to give generously and sacrificially. I mean, look where he's placed us. And so this is the last question. If we believe there will never be too many churches, I want each and every one of us to ask ourselves, what are you going to do about it? Not just what are we going to do about it, but what are you going to do about it? And I just want to encourage four things, okay? Four things. First... Um, This should be the most obvious if you have any sort of background um, in the church. And this should be our first response. is first to pray. 
I want you to pray for Tim and Misty. I want you to pray for this new campus that's going to be in Shawnee, where it's going to be located, um, that they would have a dynamic impact. For those of you in this room, quite frankly, who may be called to join in that new campus next fall. Also pray for us here. I mean, we're launching a new campus. We're going to be going to two services. There's a lot of things going on. Um, So pray for us here as we go to these two services. Pray that people would grow more and more, that we would grow more and more as a place where insiders or outsiders can become insiders, where the household of faith is genuinely being worked out because of what God is doing in us here, where the lonely can find a family, where the invisible God is made visible. I mean, all of these things where people who are lost are being transformed by the gospel. May this be true of our downtown. I mean, I think of my own building where no one else goes to any sort of church and no one else proclaims Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior in my whole apartment complex building. I, I, we've had the, the meetings. We've had, I've had the, the wine and cheese socials and everybody's like, what's a pastor do? May the gospel just transform our downtown. That's why we're doing this, that the lost might come to know Christ and that those who know Christ might grow in him all the more, right? And to help you remember to pray, we actually have these cards. If you look underneath, if you're seated on the center aisle there, we have these little cards. On the back, it has the big idea for this morning, there will never be too many churches. On the front, it says, pray for Kansas City. And I want you to put this in your Bible I want you to put this, you know, on your mirror, in your bathroom, or in your car, wherever you're going to see it the most, to remind you to pray. Something tangible that says, okay, how are we praying for our city? That, they, that we might be multiplying churches, multiplying disciples, and multiplying leaders. Please be praying for these two services. Be praying for our next campus, that God would be glorified. Secondly, so first pray. Secondly, give. Okay, give sacrificially, generously, and obediently of your time, your talent, and your treasure. Okay, it's, it's never been more important, even with a gift, like we said, that's just been mentioned. This is an opportunity to be engaged in what God is doing. The joy you have to participate, that I have to participate in what God's doing. So give. Thirdly, invite. Invite, okay? So we need to engage. We need to get on our knees and pray. We need to be opening our checkbooks and and paying if anybody uses a checkbook anymore. Um, And then thirdly, invite. So opening our mouths, okay? And if you know people that are down in the Shawnee area, start telling them about this, okay? There's a faith community that is coming to their community. We really value people living, worshiping, and connecting in the same community so they can invite their neighbors and the people they're working with. Invite also people here. Okay, I can't bang this drum enough. We're going to two services. We're opening up more seats. And when we engage back together, all of us from our vacations and things, it's going to get crowded until we get to two services. But when we open two services, we're going to have open seats so that we might be inviting others to engage and to see the gospel lived out in community. That we might be inviting others that the lost might be found by engaging here and hearing the gospel proclaimed. Lastly, so pray, give, invite, and then finally go. Um, You probably knew I was going to get there. And quite frankly, this is the only sermon I've probably ever preached where my goal for some of you will eventually that you don't come back here. (laughs) And it's heartbreaking. And And it kills me to say that because we're family. But quite frankly, we're not called to comfort. We're not called to to build our own kingdoms. But quite frankly, that the the gospel would go out and the kingdom of Christ would be built by the power of God, that we might be used by him in that thing. You know, there's nothing easy about it. But some of you here might be the ones to go, some of you. So be praying, be thinking, be asking what God would have of you. Even if we are going to two services, God's going to do his work. What does he have for you as we, as we seek to be faithful and fruitful in following after Jesus? It's not about this one campus. It's about all of our campuses. It's not even just about Christ's community because we're not the only church or the perfect church for that matter. We have a lot of growing and learning to do. But what might he have for you? Now, I don't want to grow inward. I hope you don't either. And that's kind of the big point of this whole sermon And this whole push as we seek to multiply churches. We don't want to become another statistic, another church doors are closed. And that's what happens when we grow inward, when it's just about us and our comfort and how we feel. 
We want to give ourselves away to our neighborhood, our city, and our world for the proclamation of the gospel and the glory of God. That's what Jesus did, isn't it? He didn't ask us to come to him because that's impossible. But he came to us and he gave himself away on the cross, releasing us from our sins, substituting for us in our behalf, taking all God's wrath upon himself that we might be forgiven and then giving us hope in his resurrection for life everlasting. He did that for us, wrote a new story that we might live it here today. You're here this morning because Christ community, quite frankly, came to you and came to downtown for those who are in and around downtown. And now we get the opportunity to open our doors to multiple services and a whole new community in Shawnee. Will you step out? Do you really believe there will never be too many churches? Will you pray? Will you give? Will you invite? Some of you, will you go? And when we do, who knows what God will do next? He's already shown himself faithful throughout the millennia and even just most recently in the past few months, over and over again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I've probably talked way too long and probably said way too much. And may the Holy Spirit embed within the hearts and minds of each and every one of us what our next step looks like in following you for the glory of your great name, the proclamation of the gospel, and the good of your church, and the good of our city. I still remember, it just is embedded into my mind, God, when, when you encounter Peter, the resurrected Lord encounters Peter, and he says, do you love me? What does Jesus, and what's Peter say? Of course I do. And then Jesus says, well, feed my sheep, care for my church, love my people. May, we, may that be true of us. If we really love you, may we show it in our love for the church and be on mission with you. God, you are so gracious. Guide us today in Jesus' name. Amen.